I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. If you were a 90s kid like I was, you can probably remember some certain youth-focused social marketing campaigns and school health and safety programs that were commonplace, and for good reason. Here's a couple that you probably couldn't forget. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? You could learn a lot from a dummy. Buckle your safety belt. We know that influencing safe and smart behavior early in a child's life will likely instill lifelong change. Whether it's never picking up the first cigarette, buckling your seatbelt every time you sit down in a car, or even knowing what to do in the event of an emergency. Disaster researchers have identified children as one of the several groups considered more prone to damage, loss, suffering, injury, and death in the event of a disaster, and the impact can be disproportionately greater for children living in poverty, who are approximately 22% of all children in the United States. Disasters can happen anytime and without warning, so it's important that children know what to do to stay safe. Not only can they be armed with the knowledge of how to stay safe and be prepared, they can be messengers of preparedness information and advocates for action within their families. With these goals in mind, FEMA created the Student Tools for Emergency Planning, or STEP program, a curriculum for fourth and fifth grade students. This program teaches them how to prepare for emergencies and disasters and trains them to become leaders in family preparedness. In this episode, I ask Kim Hayward, Individual and Community Preparedness Officer in FEMA Region 5's Chicago office, to sit down with me and delve a bit deeper into how this program works and discuss how these efforts are helping to move the needle of overall national disaster readiness. All right, Kim Hayward, thanks so much for joining the FEMA podcast. Thanks for having me. Great. Um, So you are stationed in the Chicago office, Region 5. Yep. And your work is with the Individual and Community Preparedness Group, and you're focused on, let's say, a cultural preparedness within the Region 5 states? Yes, I empower people with the information needed to become better prepared for disasters and emergencies. When I said cultural preparedness, you know, I'm sort of focusing back on uh, Administrator Brock Long's strategic priorities, where he set forth three different priorities, but one of them is instilling a culture of preparedness or sort of changing that landscape when we talk to individuals across the country about what it means to prepare for disasters. Mm-hmm. And so your work here directly relates to that. Yeah, it's uh, really an integral part of building a culture of preparedness because we want to have a systemic cultural shift in the way that people perceive preparedness so that people become intrinsically motivated to prepare. And it's just part of the norms and values and way of everyday life. Uh, So we're trying to facilitate that change here at FEMA. And it seems like when he talks about culture of preparedness, it's more than just, well, hey, you know what, if I get um, X number of supplies and have them in my pantry, then I am, quote unquote, prepared. It's really about changing the thought process of the people in the region and the country. Absolutely. It's about changing cultural behaviors and norms and um, making that shift in your day-to-day life so that it's not something that you do, you know, once or twice a year when you're updating your kit, but it's something that's always on your mind and you're always thinking about, you know, what could happen and what is the best way for me to prepare for an emergency or a disaster to occur. And so you're not necessarily focused on the national you know, culture change. But what you're looking at is the region five states and how can we advance that priority here in in the region? How can we get our people 
um, our residents in the six states that we serve in Region 5 to be more prepared. So are there certain hazards that you're focused on more than others? Well, I focus on all hazards planning and really uh, looking at building preparedness from the ground up. And we do have certain hazards that are more prevalent in Region 5, such as flooding and tornadoes and winter storms and things like that. Uh, but I'm really focused on the all hazards piece in terms of encouraging people to have emergency plans and just trying to build up awareness of preparedness in communities so that people take action to know what their risks are and then to prepare themselves and their families. So you can't do it alone. So who are some of the partners that you kind of work with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis or quarterly basis to really kind of move that needle? Well, we're always working with the state counterparts, uh, the emergency management agencies, and uh, through them, the local emergency management entities as well. Uh, but a really big part of our focus is on community partners and thinking about something like a uh, putting preparedness information into schools. They are really active already in communities. They're a pillar of people's day-to-day -day lives. So trying to partner with uh, entities like that to get the preparedness message out there. So you talked about schools. That's kind of really what we want to talk about here is uh, the STEP program, FEMA STEP program. We have a lot of programs uh, that are focused on different aspects of preparedness, but the STEP program, which stands for Student Tools for Emergency Planning, is kind of a unique program. It's also a lot of fun. Um, it's pretty interesting, and it's one that has seen quite a bit of success in the past. Absolutely. The STEP program is a curriculum that was developed by FEMA for fourth and fifth grade students, and it's just one hour of base curriculum, and it's been very successful in Region 5 states such as Wisconsin and Michigan, and we are working on expanding it to all the states within Region 5 because of that uh, multiplier effect and really the high opportunity for success with the STEP program. You know, when I think of curriculum, the word curriculum, I think a semester-long course or, or something like that. But you're saying, like, the curriculum for the STEP program that we've developed is just an hour long. That's right. It's an hour long, and it focuses on a few key points. So it introduces the concept of emergency planning, and it focuses on... Uh, number one, building a family communication plan. And number two, building an emergency supply kit. Uh, but the most important thing is familiarizing kids with, you know, the difference between an emergency and a disaster and what types of hazards could happen in their areas. Oh, so every class that STEP is being, uh, you know, brought to, it's tailored to those hazards. That's right. The STEP program is meant to be taught by teachers, and we encourage the teachers to modify and customize the program to reflect local hazards and uh, curriculum requirements and things like that. So the STEP program is aligned with several uh, curriculum content standards for science and reading comprehension and geography and things like that. So it's really mix and match and customizable uh, so that teachers can make it interactive and informative at the same time. So we provide the content for the curriculum, uh, FEMA does, through with its partners, uh, like the state emergency management uh, agencies. And we're providing it to the teachers who are using it, you know, as part of or supplementing what they're other already uh, doing in their, each of these different curriculums. So they can choose to say, well, you know, I'm a science teacher. I really like this. And I want to incorporate the STEP program into my science curriculum. 
Absolutely. And that's a very natural fit uh, for the STEP program to place it in an area where you're already talking about natural hazards and science and things like that. And it's a good activity, you know, to latch onto that and expand, you know, on the natural hazards curriculum by encouraging kids to think about, you know, what kind of natural hazards can actually happen where we live and how can we take steps to protect ourselves uh, for disasters? I mean, I can think back to grade school and you know, maybe before a tornado drill, we talked about severe storms or tornadoes and weather and things like that. And we incorporated it into the science. I mean, does that seem like a natural fit where you would plug uh, an hour's worth of um, step curriculum into? Absolutely. The drill piece of emergency preparedness is so important because it's not only important to teach kids about uh, emergency preparedness and disasters that could happen in their areas, but the drill piece and having those tornado drills and those fire drills, uh, we have those for a reason. It's because psychologically, uh, when you're experiencing a disaster, your decision-making capability is significantly impaired. So having that drill, in addition to the curriculum, having those go together is really important to reinforce uh, those learnings. So you've told me uh, in the past you've gone out and um, participated in these classes, mm -hmm. you know, at schools. Um, are you teaching them or are you just are you helping the teachers? How does that work? Well, sometimes I will teach the curriculum myself if the school wants to bring all the classrooms into an assembly or something like that, and I'll do an interactive discussion and incorporate some activities. Uh, but other times, if it's a state rollout of the STEP curriculum, then it's typically the teacher that's delivering the presentation. And really, that's the most effective way to do it because it's better to teach the kids in small groups because there's a lot of fun interactive activities that they can do to enhance their learning. So walk me through an hour. What, what is it like? So with the STEP program, we'll start off by uh, some discussion questions and asking kids, you know, do they know what the difference is between an emergency and a disaster? Asking some kids, you know, who's had experience here, you know, with natural hazards. I'll, I'll just say something like, uh, who's had, you know, their basement flood or who's had their soccer game canceled due to severe weather. And almost every kid has had some experience like that. Mm -hmm. And usually one or two have experienced a tornado or flooding, uh, something that's more serious uh, and could qualify as a disaster. So it's good to get the conversation going. And then with the STEP program, there's a series of videos that go along with it. Uh, there's a diverse group of kids in the video that introduce the different concepts of emergency planning in, in a fun and interactive way for the kids that's age appropriate. And then we continue the conversation and usually we'll do one or two activities as well, such as you know splitting the kids up into groups and having them do emergency role playing where there's different scenarios and they can act through, you know, what if the fire alarm goes off and they're at a sleepover or something like that. And that's really, you know, that one hour, we pack a lot of information into that, but we try to make it fun and engaging for the kids and then they get a certificate of completion at the end of the hour, as well as typically a starter emergency supply kit that has a few of the basic items that they can then go home and um, make it an exercise with their parents to fill that bag up with everything else that they might need to prepare for a disaster. Uh, so that bag, um, I know the kids love to get that at the end. So what specifically is in there? So the bag typically has a flashlight and an emergency blanket and a whistle. It could have other things as well, depending on the school and uh, the kind of resources that they have uh, to procure kits, because kits do cost money, of course, and some states, uh, such as Wisconsin, have gotten private sector sponsorship for their kits. So uh, they incorporate uh, just one or two items typically. So it really varies, but it's meant to be a starter kit to be built upon at home. 
so you touched on the states. So talk to me about the partnerships between FEMA and the states as we you know work to sort of spread this the step concept. Well, the partnership with the states is really critical because. As you know, the education system in this country is very locally driven, so it's not standardized across the board, and it's very difficult to get curriculum into schools uh, because each school district does things differently. So having that state as a partner is really critical uh, because they can work with the Department of Education and their states uh, to drive awareness for this program and ensure that people are opting into the program and signing up for it, and you know they're managing the day-to-day uh, registrations and sending out the materials to the schools and everything like that. So they're really a critical component of this. So when we talk about those costs where we're going out and, you know, seeking private sector support, um, you know, what, what are the costs that are associated with this program? Well, the curriculum was already developed by FEMA, and all of the materials can be printed by FEMA free of, and ordered free of charge. And the videos are available on YouTube for free. So the base part of the program is completely free. The only cost associated with the program is the optional emergency supply kit, those starter kits. And those can run anywhere from you know uh, $2 to $5 per kit. So uh, talk to me about some of the um, the successes that our states have had. So the state of Wisconsin launched the SEP program in 2010, and they started with a, a small group of schools and kids, um, but that has steadily expanded each year. And they've done surveys every year to both the teachers and the students on uh, the SEP program and how you know effective it's been. And they found that the teachers, even though it's one hour minimum curriculum, they have been teaching on average about six hours of curriculum because there's so many additional hours of optional curriculum as well. And there are, you know, some great examples from Wisconsin as well about, you know, a young girl who took the STEP program and then she ended up saving her family from a fire that happened at her family's home. So it has had some really beneficial impacts. It's been very successful in the state of Wisconsin. They're training over 10,000 students a year at this point. And Michigan isn't far behind them, uh, training about uh, over 8,000 students last year in the STEP program as well. So does Michigan also find a private sector partner? Do they use it state they, funds? They are using state uh, grant funds to uh, provide the kits to the schools. And they do provide uh, virtual uh, curriculum and things like that. They don't ship out the kits to each individual school. They contract with a company and use their grant funding to purchase the kits who then deliver them to the schools. Um, so back to Wisconsin, um, they, they've expanded this uh, idea of reaching out to students beyond just the STEP program. Do they, they have some other kind of big initiatives like their Wisconsin Severe Weather Day Mm -hmm. uh, where they partner with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, that's a fantastic event and one of our most successful youth preparedness initiatives in our region. It's a huge annual event that they put on with the Milwaukee Brewers, and it gives the kids an opportunity to learn about the science behind natural hazards while also learning about preparedness and participating in a fun and interactive day You know that really creates a great memory for them. 
So we, and, and FEMA goes up and actually helps out with uh, Wisconsin emergency management and the booths that they run and, and talking with students. Absolutely. We try to support Wisconsin emergency management in any way that we can since it's a really great program and we want to see it continue in the future. And I think they had a, a well over 12,000 students participate in the last event. So it does get pretty crazy at the event, but it's a lot of fun. And we're there handing out materials. And I'm there talking about the STEP program and things like that and trying to encourage schools to implement step in their uh, communities. So that is an example of where, you know, states have taken something like the step program built onto it, offered, uh, you know, additional curriculum hours onto, uh, onto the, the base hours, and then maybe taken it even further and tried to engage students of, the, of similar age um, to join in that conversation. Well, it all boils down to, you know, the proof is in the data behind uh, engaging these youth populations and how beneficial it is for actually moving the needle on increasing preparedness in communities. Uh, because when you reach kids, you're not only reaching those kids, but you're reaching their parents as well. Uh, because studies show that parents are much more likely to act when their kids bring home information on preparedness. Uh, but also those kids grow up to be prepared adults. And uh, we started this podcast talking about the culture of preparedness. And this is just an excellent way to ensure that these kids then become leaders and ambassadors for preparedness in the future. And we're working on creating a systemic cultural change in our country. Do we have any programs that highlight some of the leadership uh, that, that kids maybe of this age range or older have you know, shown in their communities? Uh, we have a great program called the Youth Preparedness Council, and we have uh, 15 representatives from across the country that serve on this council. And it's an opportunity for kids who are, you know, want to be leaders in their communities, who are already doing work uh, to help their communities be a better place. It's an opportunity for them to serve on a national council uh, to even further develop their leadership skills and to conduct projects in their communities to help make them more prepared and more resilient. What age group is that? Oh, that's for high schoolers age in the 8th grade to 11th grade range. So if the STEP program focuses in on the 5th grade um, age group, it, it FEMA's got programs that sort of, you know, work, grow with the students and potentially can engage them at older ages as well. That's right. And we start with the age group of the fourth to fifth graders with STEP because there was a lot of research that went into when is the most appropriate time to, tar to start talking about preparedness so that kids are not scared by the concept, but they're then empowered to take action in their families and be leaders in their families. So that's the appropriate age group uh, to start. You know, that's why we chose that for the STEP program. The high school age program is when they're starting to uh, need leadership experience and things like that for their college applications. And when kids are really starting to develop those higher level critical thinking skills and, you know, starting to prepare for college. So it's a good opportunity uh, to have this council where, you know, kids can become leaders in their communities for preparedness. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of great work being done in Region 5 and and likely across the entire country, um, I mean, you're, you're speaking to the Region 5 area, but, uh, you know, are you familiar with any other successful states implementation of STEP or, you know, other highlights out there? Absolutely. Region 6, based in Texas, they have a Regional Youth Preparedness Council and a Regional Citizen Corps Working Group where they have state representatives 
In, in each of their states, there's a Youth Preparedness Council representative, and now they just launched their first local council as well. So that has had a ripple effect in that region where they're having continuous meetings and bringing people together to exchange experiences and best practices and talk about how can we solve this challenge of preparedness together through empowering youth to make a difference. Okay, I got it. So fifth grade it seems like the logical place where we introduce this into the school curriculum. Uh, high school age, you know, really we're engaging them on an individual level and bringing them into the conversation with FEMA about what moves the needle in terms of preparedness, uh, mm-hmm. both at home, individually, uh, in the community with the Youth Preparedness Council. Are you working on any products for younger ages? Well, we have a coloring book that we're currently developing with the American Red Cross, and that's going to be for kindergarten through fifth graders. And that is distilling preparedness messaging down to its most simplest um, protective actions. So we want uh, kids to learn at an early age how to stay safe during emergencies and disasters. And it teaches kids about the different hazards around the country. And it's all centered around a a penguin named Pedro, who's very cute. And he travels around the country experiencing uh, different disasters and hazards. And then, you know, we teach kids the basic messages for how to stay safe. Uh, For example, in a tornado to go to an interior room on the lowest level of the building and things like that. And to also have a family communication plan and emergency supply kit. So it's meant for kids to work through with their parents as well. So if if I'm a teacher um, or a school administrator and I want to bring STEP to my community, whether or not a, st- a state is a partnering uh, entity, you know, how would I go about learning more? Uh, the STEP materials are all available on FEMA's website. And there's the curriculum as well as the student activity book and the link to the free materials um, and the videos on YouTube as well. And that's all available in one place. Fantastic. Uh, well, Kim, thanks so much for joining us today. I think it's a I think the STEP program is just a really neat opportunity to uh, get kids involved in what makes them safe, what makes them feel safe in their community, and how they can prepare for disasters that, you know, throughout their life, they're they're likely to experience um, or have friends that experience them. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. We've linked to this episode on our FEMA Facebook page, and we invite you to join the conversation in the comments. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe through Google Play or the iTunes Store. You can even download each episode on FEMA.gov. If you have topic ideas or want to let us know what you think, make sure to follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.